This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily uh, for an absolutely Arctic Wednesday afternoon in late December here in Winnipeg, finishing up the year with a few more shows, but lots to talk about outside of the Winnipeg Jets, who uh, not only don't have a game tonight, but are not practicing tonight. That's okay, though. We'll still discuss the team and look ahead into the new year and discuss the Jets in 2021 with our good friend Murata Tesh of The Athletic. And before that, I'm really looking forward to bringing on Tom Manect, who we will discuss some of the biggest sports business stories, sports media stories of the year. Um, Tom, always one of our favorites, uh, who did the sport market on TSN all those years, our good friend from BC. So Tom's going to come up in a few minutes. We'll get to it with him. Um, and of course, one of the huge stories that we'll touch on in the open, we'll touch on with Tom, and we'll touch on with... Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little bit later on was the passing of the legendary John Madden. Um, we've got a lot of news coming out of the World Juniors, none of it particularly good. And uh, we did at least have some NHL hockey played last night south of the border and a couple of absolutely wild games, which we will get to uh, right away. Um, first up, a best of the season and a happy new year and a big thanks to all of our sponsors, especially the ones that are having big Boxing Day sales this week, like F Apparel, uh, Royal Sports, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, great to see everyone joining us live on YouTube. What's up, everyone? Hope you're staying warm. And let's get Michael. Let's get Michael Remus in here to uh, to get this show on the road. Remo, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing okay. I looked at the temperature of my car, and I almost took a picture of the reading. It was like minus thirty. Um, I saw uh, uh, someone tweet in response to the Winter Classic being potentially played under extreme conditions, where she said. After you know minus, you know after zero, it all feels the same. And I was like. No, no, no. I was maybe they uh, meant zero no. Fahrenheit. They did, but even still, I mean, no, no, no. It's it's pretty rough, man. All all over the place. So, well, what what is zero Fahrenheit in in Celsius? Like minus twenty, something like uh, that. Minus seventeen, yeah, minus seventeen. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's I'd take minus seventeen in a heartbeat right now. I don't know if anyone's yeah. looked at the yes. like yes. at the long yes. range forecast. It's I think bad. we might have a day where we get above minus 20 and then another deep freeze. Anyways, I don't want to keep talking about it. It's too damn depressing. No. Everything's depressing right now, including the news out of the World Junior Hockey Championships. And we should touch on that right away, Remus, before we get to uh, John Madden and uh, some of the other stories. Yeah. Uh, we have another forfeiture at the World Juniors. Um, earlier today, a positive test on Team Chechia or Czechia, I guess is what we're supposed to call them now, um, canceled the Finland-Czech Republic game, or Finland-Czechia game. Um, so that's the second tournament game missed so far. Um, we'll see what happens going forward with Czechia, if they will be able to continue in the tournament. Devastating loss for them after opening the tournament with a couple L's. Um, so, And that, of course, is in Canada's group. Um, Canada, who beat the Czechs early in the tournament, um, the Czechs were supposed to play today and then had a matchup with Austria tomorrow. 
they had to buy in the final game. So, um, you know, this is really bad. And then, of course, the situation with Team USA still up in the air as to what is going to happen with their scheduled game a little earlier today. So uh, let's just get to the Bob father here. Bobby Margarita yeah, has there, been... Uh, there was another cancellation, like literally as we hit go live, Hustler. Russia forfeited the game to Slovakia due to a pause. That's a Slovakia. So we've got three forfeits. A lot of people questioning, uh, I guess, the legitimacy or the point of this tournament. And I guess some people questioning uh, the protocols as well. But I think um, the real question, uh, Schmidt face said... He said, they don't cancel the tournament until Canada has to forfeit a game. And I was like, yeah, I mean, TSN's got to run all these games, so they'll just reschedule it. So it's just Canada playing against whoever, whoever's the last man team standing, I guess, right? Or uh, I mean, I don't know what you do here. It's um, disappointing for everyone who's you know, done what they can to get to the tournament. They went there early, you know, had to go through testing. Um, it just seemed, I guess it seems kind of inevitable. I mean, I don't. I don't know what what to say. It, I get disappointed. Inevitable, for I think, is a good. Inevitable, I think, is a is a perfect word right now. It seems like inevitable that everyone's getting this. It seems like inevitable that they're going to have a tough time getting through. Uh, you know, just these next couple of days without more people going on. Oh, free Oleg popped in. Free will read him. Freedom. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that freedom's coming anytime soon, considering what's happening uh, here, at least in Manitoba right now. I mean, what a gong show! No one can get a test. Everyone's getting it. Half this province seems to be sick right now. Cases are going crazy. Um, and, of course, that's a big reason why we don't have Winnipeg Jets hockey this week. No game today. Missed the game on Monday. And um, I guess this is somewhat an addition to if people had just listened to our show from yesterday, Remo, about an hour after we had wrapped up uh, yesterday's edition of WST, uh, I saw it first from my pal Pat Steinberg out in Calgary that the Friday night game between the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets had been put off and what's interesting about that is that is a postponement of a game in a half building um you know as we all know watching the world juniors right now the rules in alberta despite their massive caseloads every day are you can have large events at 50 percent here it was 50 percent, and then it got moved to a maximum of 250 which for all intents and purposes canceled any ability to host winnipeg jet games um, you know, without taking a massive, massive loss. So that's why you saw the games this week uh, postponed. That's why we now know that the January 8th and January 10th games are postponed. Um, and now this is the case going forward with the Calgary Flames. I do have to ask, and I mean, I've been a pretty positive person and optimistic, um, maybe naively at times when it came to this entire pandemic. But I do wonder with the direction that caseloads are going on right now, at what point will we get to where the government feels comfortable saying, okay, you can put fans back in the building. I mean, and not just 50% to 100%. I mean, how far away are we from that? I mean, is that going to happen in time for February? Like in a month, will we be there? I mean, I really don't know. So it's an absolute mess. But for teams like the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, that, you know, aren't making billions of dollars every year. I mean, they're a cap team right now. And I think I saw the number per home date is $1.4 million. So, I mean, do the math. Times that by 41, um, and you're getting, you know, 55, 60. I mean, you're still $20 million away from the salary cap. So this is very important revenue. And, I mean, as a fan that buys tickets, I mean, I'd much rather have the opportunity to go to games than watch games being played in front of empty buildings. 
So it's an absolute mess right now. Um, and, you know, while we do see some, you know, hockey being played south of the border and some wild games last night, um, you know, when it comes to both the World Junior here in Alberta with what they're dealing with and here on the ground in Manitoba, it doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon. So, I mean, we just have to have our fingers crossed that we'll be in a much better place in February and these games are going to be able to be played as scheduled with butts in seats. Uh, but for right now, we're losing games by the day. <laughs> And it's not just because of positive outbreaks within teams. Now it's because of government rules and regulations that are preventing fans from being in the building, which of course significantly affects the bottom lines of these teams, which of course are businesses and have pretty significant bills to pay uh, when you got guys making uh, the amount of money that NHL players are. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more uh, players going in uh, in protocol. Uh, Dallas Stars. They have a list of teams. I mean, these teams are playing, but like who's on the roster at this point? I was making fun of Montreal's team uh, yesterday. They actually took, I think, Colorado, uh, what they lost in overtime. Oh, the lightning. Like, or the lightning. And I, would, I was like, I don't even know half the guys on the team. So, I mean, that's, that's I, I want to like, play DraftKings and, and do fantasy, but like I look at my fantasy lineup, half the guys are injured. And I don't know who's in any of these lineups if I want to play. Um, DraftKings, though. So, I mean, I'll it's tell just, you what: if you're in a yeah. season-long league, the commissioner should just be giving everybody ties for the last couple of weeks and wait until we actually have games on right now. Because yeah, oh, it is for a, fantasy, yeah, I don't know what you do. Yeah, it, it's a real mess. <laughs> it is a real, real mess right now. So, um, you know, as far as the World Junior goes back to it, there's another interesting situation with Team USA that sort of started all of this. I mean, well, not started this all. Far from it, but you know, as far as the first um, cancellation of a game at the World Juniors, it was Team USA that had two positives. Here's the latest from Bob in the last hour. Buckle up, as the saying goes, amid as yet unconfirmed rumors of another positive test on a team scheduled to play today, and perhaps another forfeit. I would assume that he's referring to the Russia-Slovakia game. Hopefully, here's an odd situation that could impact Team USA tonight if it's able to play Sweden. The two roommates of the two American players who tested positive, according to the protocols, require an extra day of testing before they can return to play. So even if these two test negative this afternoon, they would not be able to play tonight, except the roommate of the goalie who tested positive is also a goalie. They had their two goalies together. The other roommate of the forward who tested positive, if it's a forward. So Bob says it's his understanding that if the goalie tests negative this afternoon, he will get an exemption to dress in tonight's game. But if the forward is negative, he would not play. Um, I realize they're going down quite the rabbit hole with these um, with these rules. Uh, and I don't think you can complain about the rules. Everyone knew what they were going into it. Um, but again, many of these rules were done pre-Omicron. And Omicron's everywhere right now. Um, it's spreading at an exponentially higher rate than any of the previous strains of the virus. Um, you know, fingers crossed. I mean, most of the evidence has shown that it is not as lethal. It's not as serious as the one before. But when you have an exponentially high number of people getting it, even if it's a smaller, much smaller number of people that, um, you know, have serious consequences to it, that affects the healthcare system. But as far as the tournament goes, um, there is some speculation or I guess some discussion that maybe, um, you know, things could have been tweaked. But I don't think you can do that right now, Reem. And I, I mean, I look at this event right now, and again, I'm a person that's worked with Hockey Canada before on one of these big double IHF events. 
I know the work that goes into it, the amount of planning, the amount of things that have been taken place by both the organizing committee, Hockey Canada, IHF, volunteers, the community. Um, but man, if we lose another game or two, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I think at this point, there's already a serious question as to the legitimacy of the event. Uh, and I realize it's a huge opportunity for these young men to, to be able to play in. Uh, but I don't have a high level of confidence that this is going to be completed. And that will really be a downer uh, on New Year's Eve when at least we were going to have a good Canada game if we were missing the Jet game later on tonight with nowhere to go with everything closing at 10 o'clock. This is going to be a very strange and probably a bit of a downer of a New Year's. At, and that will be that will be greatly increase the level of disappointment if there's no Canada game on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I was looking forward to at least watching the Jets-Flames game on New Year's. You don't have that. may not have the Canada game. You're talking about changing... Uh, protocols. We did have some news uh, from the NHL for that. Uh, uh, Stephen Wino, Frank Cervalli saying the NHL going with the five-day isolation down from 10 uh, following the lead of the NFL and NBA after updated CDC guidance. So that change only applies to the U.S. teams, though, because of uh, stricter rules here. So if you're on a U.S. team and I think you're vaccinated, you, well, you have to isolate for five days after negative tests. So we've seen that. Uh, again, in the other leagues, so what? Cole Beasley, Mike Williams, they're free to come back. Carson Wentz, too. Wentz, yeah. Wentz will be there on Sunday. The genius. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, well, again, we'll we'll wait and see. And I see people saying, uh, what Mark Sports video in chat. He's like, uh, you know, and let's keep it a sports. This is a break. Well, I mean, this is sports. Every this is our sports. Everything's talk. getting canceled, every, Mark. Every, every, I don't know every, what we're supposed to say. Every event. Every event. <laughs> Is is getting canceled? That's that is our sports talk uh, today. So um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely disappointing. It doesn't help that it's minus thirty outside. We did have some positive uh, stories. Huss, can I move on from the? Uh, yes, yes. Please do, please do. I'm sure can, we'll have plenty of time to talk about canceled games and mm -hmm. positive COVID tests as yeah. the, as we just look at Twitter throughout the next two hours so, doing the program. There's two items that I want to get to. One of them is the Canada at the World Juniors beating or Austria 11-1. But I was reading yesterday in The Athletic, um, Sean Fitzgerald wrote about the top 10 media stories in Canada in 2021. And I was like, all right, sure, uh, I'll read this story. I like reading about sports media. And uh, I started going down, and it's like, oh, Bell layoffs. Hey, there, uh, we're in there. That was <laughs> Sounds us. familiar. Sounds familiar. It's hard to believe that was almost a year ago, too. That was February uh, February 9. But then it said in uh, his article, um, the hopeful that you and I started up here and it included my famous uh, radio is dead quote <laughs> that I gave to Sean. Um, and uh, talked about Sakaris and Price launching. So, uh, I was like brushing my teeth while reading my phone. Yeah, I'm really talented. And I was like, hey, I'm in this article. This is crazy. So I tweeted out on uh, my Twitter show to Sean for including us in there. And I never really thought of myself as being part of uh, a top story in sports you media are, in you Canada. You are absolutely the the top. Well, I would, is it, is it, they, they weren't numbered. So we'll say potentially the number one story. Yeah, they weren't um, numbered. Know, it's, it's of the yeah. top 10. So potentially number one. Um, and yeah, downsizing the hopeful. Um, yeah, I'll just read it to you. When Bell Media closed its all sports format in Winnipeg, it turned the frequency into a home for pre-taped comedy. Uh, what was once TSN 1290 became 
Honey 1290, where Taco de Jets or Blue Bombers is now a forum for Frank Caliendo and his impressions of Al Pacino. Michael Remus was amongst those laid off. <laughs> he, <laughs> he also moved quickly to fill, to fill the void left behind, teaming with longtime sports radio voice Andrew Hustler Patterson to launch Winnipeg Sports Talk, a two hour daily YouTube stream and podcast dedicated to the city sports team. Here's the, here's the money shot. People say that I miss traditional radio, said Remus. I'm like, guys, radio is gone. It's dead it's in my dead. best in my best dream. So there it is. The famous quote returns again to finish off the year. Uh, you know what? Honestly, it could be running for quote of the year this year. Reem. You, you might be right. Actually, it's getting a lot. Of, it's giving Sean a lot of run. Uh, it's used here in chat all the time. And uh, I want to apologize to all of uh, the radio colleagues here in Winnipeg. Uh, I mean, radio clearly very much alive, but. Winnipeg's sports radio station, yes, very, very dead. Yeah, sports radio as it was, dedicated sports radio. In, in, um, Winni in Winnipeg, very There was a funeral dead. for on February 9th, which actually yeah. does make me think of, like, should is, our, is the big anniversary day that we'll have fun with on this program, is it February 9th when we all got whacked, or is it yeah. March 8th, the anniversary of the new beginning and the first uh, day of Winnipeg sports talk? I think it's got to be March 8th, but February 9th, is February 9th Bell Let's Talk Day? Oh, no, that's a week after, right? There's no, it's that. the week before. <laughs> the week before is Bell. It's like, I yeah. looked. It's like late January. And I said, we'll have to do something. Um, for I talked about you yesterday. I actually want to contact Sakaris and Price, see what their plans are for that for that day. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's what it is. So, uh, it was, it was, I mean, on a pause, it was pretty cool to be part of uh, named in the article that has uh, top sports media stories in Canada for 2021. As you know, this is what that week between Christmas and New Year's where, you know, we kind of look back on what 2021 was. Yeah, well, and listen, we thank Sean for that. I know you're still choked for not finally making uh, Ace Burpee's list of fascinating Manitobans. Maybe thought, next year, Remus. Maybe thought, next year. I thought that we could have been on. Maybe, you know, <laughs> his employer didn't want us to be on, on the list. I don't know. Maybe maybe there was a conflict of interest there. Ace is the best. Hey, he had he had a lot of really, really interesting no, the, people the, in that. But I know you're, you're just joking about that. But hey, listen. Um, you know, like everyone, we're going to make the best of this. We hope we'll have some games to talk about tomorrow on the program from the World Juniors. Um, there will be some games in the National Hockey League. Unfortunately for the Jets, they won't be playing again until they hit the road and play the Vegas Golden Knights on Sunday. Um, and that's going to be a couple weeks coming off the uh, off the break. And I'll tell you what, Rima, I don't know if you caught it last night, but uh, Vegas certainly looked ready to go coming out of the break. They pumped the LA Kings last night. Uh, tons of goals unbelievably sloppy games and that reminded me back in the old jets 1.0 days the jets used to always play the minnesota north stars at the time not on the 27th but on boxing day and i mean it was who was it that nate schmidt said that in the, uh, the the black friday massacre with the jets in the wild it felt like some of the guys were sweating gravy the entire entire team both teams were sweating gravy it was guaranteed to be the worst game of the year sloppy slow and we got some of that last night uh, vegas taking it to the la kings at but i'll tell you what that game between san jose and the coyotes was absolutely bananas you got a feel for the coyotes reem uh, they actually score seven goals come back to get it to ot and still manage to lose last night to the San Jose Sharks, 8-7 in a shootout. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw Mike McKenna, I think he's with Daily Faceoff now, he's tweeting out about, you know, that old uh, first game after holidays, as you said, people, you know, maybe spending too much time uh, eating turkey, they're all full, not ready to play, but, I mean, look at the totals on this game, yeah, 8-7, 6-3, 5-4, that's the kind of games that we want, so maybe we should have more holiday breaks. Here for, it is, you take hockey. the under, you take the under on the NBA Christmas Day games, and you take the over on the first day out of the holidays for the National Hockey League. We'll actually have to see if we tested that theory. I know the under went, uh, came through in the first NBA game coming up on, uh, on Christmas Day. Um, that being said, let's take a quick look at what's going on tonight. Because I know there are a number of postponed games, that you know, including one that was supposed to be taking place here. Uh, but there are some games tonight. Jersey at Buffalo. Cool about that. Alex Tuck's going to be in the lineup for the Sabres, making his first appearance. And uh, Peyton Krebs, of course, the uh, star of the Winnipeg Ice first round of the Vegas Golden Knights, who was acquired in the Jack Eichel trade, has been recalled from Rochester. And it looks like he may very well make his Buffalo Sabres debut. So the Sabres hosting New Jersey tonight. Rangers at Florida. Nashville at Washington. The Oilers getting back on the ice. They're playing in St. Louis against the Blues. Philly is playing the Kraken. The Vancouver Canucks are taking on the Ducks. And then a flurry of postponed games. What do we got? Five in the books for tonight. Pittsburgh was supposed to play Toronto. Boston was supposed to play Ottawa. Detroit was supposed to play the Islanders. Uh, The Jets right here in Winnipeg were supposed to host the Chicago Blackhawks and the Dallas Stars. And the Colorado Avalanche are uh, are on ice because, of course, they do not. uh, um, That's due to a COVID outbreak with the Dallas Stars right now. So um, trying to get what games they can be played, uh, played right now. But I think it's going to be, hell, even the bowl games are being affected. The Holiday Bowl last night, I believe, was kibosh. The I know the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl was supposed to go down. Uh, Boise State had to pull out from New Year's Eve. And Central Michigan is going to go play, I think, Washington State in one of the other bowl games. So, listen, everything's a bit of a mess right now. Fingers crossed we'll get this Canada-Germany game tonight and be able to see Canada play Finland coming up on New Year's Eve. And the tournament will continue but as of right now, we don't really know too much. Um, the comment, Manitoba battery must be busy today. No kidding. Uh, yeah, Donnie and the guys are uh, probably working overtime right now. But if you do need a battery, I've been telling you to be proactive. Don't wait until now. But uh, they certainly are the guys to do it. 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, you know, speaking of that, big boxing day of sale over at F Apparel. And if you don't want to leave the house, uh, you can get them online at fapparel.com. But um, it's going right up until Friday and the 31st. 20% of your entire purchase in-store and online will be discounted, as well as 50% off accessories, including ties, tie clips, pocket squares, socks, etc., and more, all downtown at 190 Smith Street. But uh, go to F, that's ephapparel.com. You can check out everything they've got going on. Give them a buzz or pop in if you do want to get a suit for the upcoming year. Might be might be a little bit before we're going to be wearing them. I know that sweet fit you got ready to go for New Year's Eve is probably going to be waiting for um, a month or two going forward. But everyone does need a suit that uh, looks great and fits going into the new year. And F Apparel's custom suits begin at $400. Go check out the F Apparel Boxing Week sale right now down at 190 Smith Street. Uh, Vita Health's got a lot going on into the new year. Um, and I'll tell you what, with things being closed, last call being done, maybe it's a good time to uh, take advantage of maybe a bit of a cleanse month. 
Um, if you're thinking about doing a sober January, they have you hooked up. Incredible non-alcoholic products, including beer from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers to Soul Brew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and Clever Mocktails. I actually had a few of the mocktails. This is a good one. The Pink G&T. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to cut the booze out, Vita Health has a ton of options for you. And maybe some of you are thinking about going vegan for the month. Uh, Veganuary, if you will. Uh, Vita Health carries so many plant-based and vegan products. Tofurky, Field Roast, Gardein, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life, Beyond Meat, and more. And the great thing is they've got a staff that is trained in all of this stuff that can help you make the right decisions if you're looking to uh, try it out. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products. Check out more online at myvita.ca. They are open until 6 p.m. on New Year's Eve, closed on New Year's Day, and back to regular hours next week. And going into the new year, while we're talking about all the good stuff that you, uh, you know, might want to be making some changes or adding to the routine from Vita Health, the one thing that is a constant is staying hydrated and drinking lots of water. And Culligan Water has been the experts in water services in Manitoba for 65 years. Family owned down at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Culligan Water's got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems. Citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. $9.99 special for the month of December. Water services for three months at $9.99 a month. Give them a call at 694-5180. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Or hit them up online at drinkculligan.com. Um, so anyways, that's great stuff. We'll mention Manitoba battery later on, but yeah, if you're in a bind because the car won't start and you need a new power source, our guys at Manitoba battery, certainly the guys to go to. Um, so Murata Tesh joining us a little bit later on, uh, Rima, what's, uh, what's up with Tom? Do we have him or I, I can't see him on the screen. Um, I'm just texting him now. Oh, he thought it was, uh, a uh, one thirty. It doesn't see the link. Okay, I'll have to resend it. Oh, to him. no problem. Either that or just, we can get, uh, we can get him on the phone. Um, one of the things that we'll certainly talk about with Tom and with Hacksaw a little bit later on was the passing of John Madden. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, love to hear some of your thoughts about Madden in the chat right now. Because, I mean, if you're in your 40s, like I am, you essentially grew up with Madden. I mean, watching John Madden be the voice of NFL football along with Pat Summerall on Sunday afternoon, sort of in the late 80s into the 90s. And then, of course, introducing football to a whole nother generation through the Madden football video game, which are still one of the most popular sports titles released each and every year. Um, the crazy thing about the timing of this is that the Madden documentary that had been worked on for a number of years just debuted on Christmas Day. And apparently everyone that was interviewed in the documentary also did a special message to John that was not part of the, uh, 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 of the actual documentary. And so they premiered it for Madden and his family uh, on, on Saturday or maybe just before then. And he got, and it was about a 50 minute reel of special messages from people that were, um, you know, associated with John throughout his life, friends, coworkers, and, uh, you know, the fact that he passed away when he did, it, it almost seems like he was waiting up until this point for that everyone could really know his story 
and then it was uh, it was time to go. But I mean, it sent shockwaves. And I mean, whether you were an older than me and you know grew up remembering him as a Super Bowl winning coach, whether you're of my generation where you remember him as the most colorful and entertaining television personality in sports, maybe sports history, uh, or whether you're a younger generation, you grew up as a football and video game head playing the Madden football game each and every title. Um, Rob Mahoney says right there, he was larger than life. Very few like him. An absolute treasure. Um, so, you know, the Madden, the, the feedback of the, you know, the Madden's passing away, I think has been something that hit a lot of people because very rarely will you find someone that was so unanimously loved. Minus two of the worst tweets I've ever seen. You've probably seen those before. I mean, a battle for maybe the all-time worst ratio in Twitter history. Uh, but again, bad Madden takes yesterday. I think the amount of feedback that those idiots got um, just speaks to just how beloved John Madden was. So, um, you know, a huge loss for the sports industry, certainly for the National Football League. You wonder how he'll be commemorated long-term. And there's many people that will tell you based on sort of what I just rolled out from being a Super Bowl winning coach to being, you know, this incredible Hall of Fame broadcaster to being the man and the name behind the growth of the football video game for the better part of the last 20 plus years. You can make an argument that John Madden might be the most influential person in National Football League history, including you know, Vince Lombardi, including all the commissioners, including the greatest players of all time. John Madden certainly is right up there. So uh, a huge loss for the football world, for the entertainment world as well. But it was interesting that when John Madden sort of finished up his time, he really did sort of disappear. He famously did not drive uh, and didn't fly. Uh, sorry, he did drive, but he didn't fly. Um, and there's a piece on ESPN. There's like 23 stories about Madden. I haven't been as entertained and laughing out loud uh, in a long, long time as I was this morning reading that article. So definitely check that out if you're a big Madden fan. Uh, but we will talk about that coming up with Tom Manect in just a few minutes. And of course, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little bit later on. I'll tell you what, while we're waiting for, uh, while we're waiting to, uh, to get Tom hooked up, I sort of mentioned our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Um, you know, we're already seeing a lot of people talking about Donnie and the gang in the chat right now. Uh, yes, there was a time to be proactive. Unfortunately, the deep freeze is here, but there's a good chance that right now you might be needing those services of our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Um, they do have a great selection of booster cables. They had a special going on into Christmas, as well as batteries for all types of vehicles, and they do deliver. So if you do need something delivered, give them a phone call, 204-783-8787. Don't the gang will get you taken care of. You can find out more on the services of what they have over at manitobabattery.com. Uh, but 1026 Logan is the place to be. And the bottom line is if you need a battery, uh, shop local, support local, and uh, get a printer price than you will waiting around in the parking lot of one of these big box stores like Costco, Manitoba Battery. The guys that will get you going again in these. I sure can, Tom. Uh, let's welcome in Tom Manek, uh, the sport market to the program. Tom, what's up? How are you? You know, it has been a wild, wild year. Um, before we talk about some of the other big sports stories, I've just got to ask you about John Madden. I'm sort of filling a bit of time talking about Madden, his incredible career, what he meant to the National Football League. But from a from a sports business sense, um, he could be one of the most impactful figures in NFL history, wouldn't he be? 
Uh, I don't think there's any doubt of that, uh, Hustler. You know, I've been thinking about it a lot, of course, over these last, you know, 12 to 24 hours uh, since the news of his passing uh, broke throughout the NFL world and, of course, uh, the sports world. And we know, uh, as an example, how impactful Tiger Woods has been to the business of golf in a transformative way. Uh, he's he's just one example. There's a couple of other athletes that, that come to mind, uh, including another golfer, uh, Arnold Palmer, who revolutionized the business of sport. Some say created the business of sport by bringing sponsorship and endorsements into the mix. But when you look at Madden, I'm not so sure anybody has had the coverage of impact that he's had. Uh, you know, maybe his his playing career was was obviously just a footnote, but he certainly established himself as one of the best and most successful uh, NFL head coaches of all time, uh, was delightful and a trailblazer and the real thing, an authentic package as a broadcaster. And then, of course, lending his name to uh, video games, uh, giving him basically the second largest EA sports franchise in the world behind only FIFA. Uh, that's a remarkable 360 degrees of impact. And I'm not so sure anybody can match that in terms of just the different ways that he expected this uh, impacted his sport from a variety of different perspectives. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And that, that the video game part of it, I mean, just opened up the uh, Madden lore and legend to an entire another generation. I mean, I was sort of describing beforehand. I mean, you have people that are older than me that remember Madden as an NFL head coach, a Super Bowl winner for the Raiders. You have sort of my generation that grew up watching him on Sunday afternoons with Pat Summerall. It's one of the most, if not the most entertaining broadcast team in sports history. And then you move on to another generation as the world of video games and gaming exploded and the game was Madden and still is Madden to this day. And man, if you read some of the stories, Tom, about the way that he, I mean, football video games at the time were sort of five on five, six on six. He wanted to make it authentic. He brought a 1980 Raiders playbook into that first meeting with the EA sports people. And they designed it around a true simulation of NFL football. And uh, the fact that his name still graces the game, I think tells you all you need to know about a guy that passed away at 85 years old, but still had an incredible impact every single day right up until today uh you know it is exactly that and hustler you know I, as i'm listening to you i'm sort of putting myself somewhere between those who really connected with madden as an nfl coach and those who connected with them as an nfl broadcaster uh probably a little bit more of the latter rather than the former but you know somewhere somewhere in between but there's an entire generation of kids and and gamers out there uh, and not just Generation Zetters, but, you know, millennials and even older than millennials who principally know John Madden as the EA Sports franchise, as as the gaming franchise. And, you know, I find it interesting in the Twitterverse how, you know, some of the old school um, Madden lovers are rejecting him, saying, hey, he's not the uh, video guy. He's, he's the uh, Super Bowl winning uh, uh, Oakland Raiders coach from back in the day, uh, a guy who was beloved by his players. That's who Madden is. No, no, no. He's the broadcaster. So there's a bit of a generational tug of war going on. What's really interesting from a sport business point of view is Madden got EA Sports started, set the gold standard for for football gaming. At the end of his career, at, at the end of his contract, sorry, as they were approaching it, 
EA Sports had internal discussions at the highest of levels saying, hey, look, we've got everything we need. Why don't we just go without the Madden endorsement? And they, they talked about it. They deliberated it. And at the end of the day, they said, no, you know what? We're going to stay with the guy who brought us to the dance. And essentially, they did a lifetime deal with him. That lifetime deal is what's going to completely carry forward into the future, uh, you know, given the fact that he was with the company until his death. Oh, they better get the they better get the big guy on the cover next year one more time. The legend edition for Madden 22 or 23, whatever the next version is. Tom Manicht is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Tom, let's talk about sports business. Remus and I were just mentioning, got a nice little mention in Sean Fitzgerald's piece uh, about the aftermath of the shutdown of TSN here in Winnipeg and Hamilton, and of course where you're at in Vancouver. Um, what have you made about the changes in the landscape here in Canada of sports media over the last 12 months? Well, I mean, in one word, resilience. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm talking to Resilience Personified and, of course, Michael uh, as well. What you guys have done to bounce back from that that gut punch is nothing less than impressive. And I know that so much of it is driven as a passion play, uh, you know, for the love of the game. But the fact that you've been able to carry the voice forward uh, in the Winnipeg market is very, very impressive. And it, it really is the the standard. That's the thing that stands out to me is so many talented people uh, no longer had a place to call home. And instead of just, you know, fading off into the sunset, you've created your own platforms. And it's not only what you got going in Winnipeg, uh, what others have going in other markets. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Sakaris and Price, uh, TSN 1040, uh, alumni in Vancouver, uh, they've got a great podcast platform going as well. Uh, Don Taylor, the TSN and uh, uh, Sportsnet uh, alumni, uh, he's now uh, teaming up with Rick Dollywall, and they are sort of combining old school television with new school podcasts. And that's the thing that stands out to me is the talent has bounced back in a very creative way. Um, uh, the demand is there for loyal listeners. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of that happen where, where podcasts and on-demand listening and viewing winds up uh, carrying the day. Uh, you know, certainly I, I still think terrestrial radio has some legs, but those who aren't doing what you're doing uh, are, are probably, you know, moving too slowly. And, and, and in this business, if you stand still, you fall behind. Well, you know, I appreciate that, Tom. And, um, you know, it is true. I mean, we thought that there was an opportunity and bottom line, wanted to continue doing what we were doing and found a way to do it. Um, but I mean, I feel for my colleagues that are still there in some of the, you know, other markets that, you know, maybe are holding on because they've got a contract for NHL rights um, or, or things like that. I mean, I, I, do you think this is the way that this will go? I mean, if you're... Uh, I hate to be morbid, but I mean, if you're working for TSN in Ottawa or on one of the stations that are still there right now, I mean, um, is it time to get a good secession plan going right now? Or have we sort of been through the worst of it and there could be some sort of a bounce back? And I'll even include the Sportsnet stations there as well, because we saw some very significant moves when it came to their programming in the last few months, trying to sort of catch up with the times and creating some things that would be both good for live listening as well as podcast listening, 
But I'll be honest, I'm not sure they've really kind of found that happy medium between the two. Um, and it seems like even companies small and big are sort of struggling with getting everything in line and making things work for the way that their customers want to consume the product. Yeah, and I think that's the key. And and the best way I can answer it is that, you know, I don't know exactly what the future landscape is going to look like, but I know what it won't look like. And it won't look like the status quo. Uh, the bottom line is single unidimensional radio um, isn't, you know, going to be able to drive sufficient revenue in these um, you know, not only belt tightening times, but fragmented audience times. And the, the survivors are going to be the ones that find a loyal audience. I mean, sports radio, sports talk has never been defined by the actual metrics of the ratings. It's been defined by the relationship between the personalities, the relationship and the platform and fans who, who choose to spend time uh, with with that form of media. And and so the status quo isn't what, you know, TSN, um, uh, Sportsnet, uh, uh, BNN, Bloomberg, you know, any of the uh, major uh, uh, sports and business platforms, uh, they're not going to stand still. Uh, they're going to have to get better at the podcast side of the business, making sure that it's easily accessible, website management, social media management, all forms of cross-promotion are going to become more important. And if the standard bearers at Bell Media and Sportsnet, um, you know, pay attention to that, uh, you know, over these next couple of years, then I think the horizon can really be stretched out. But just doing the same old, same old isn't going to work anymore. And the reality is, uh, there is room for you know people to do really well the independent route and you know uh, savvy sponsors again they're going to put their money not necessarily into um, what their media buying agency is going to tell them on the number of media impressions but who has the most loyal um, uh, net positive relationship with their listeners and their viewers. That's where sponsorships, which are going to evolve and shape and form, uh, that's that's where they're going to go. So I, you know, I do think the the way I would describe it is that if you're, um, you know, a, a little kid growing up, don't play just one sport. Uh, play a number of them so that you know uh, you, you you can go with what you like and you don't get you know, boxed into any one uh, pattern. We're about audio. We're about video. We're about digital. Uh, journalists used to be just one of those. Now they are all of them together. And those that sort of move in and out of those worlds are going to be the ones that, in my view, will continue to find a loyal audience and an audience uh, that can be monetized. Tom Anik with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Tom, I've got to ask you about radio broadcasts um i think covid was a convenient excuse for sportsnet when they decided earlier this year that they would have just one broadcast and they would put the tv guys on the radio and ben wagner was not doing the games anymore um it didn't get a lot of positive reaction and by the end of the season he was back doing games um whether it's for the blue jays whether it's for national hockey league teams north of the border and south of the border what's the future of radio specific broadcasts for professional sports in North America in your mind? 
Well, again, it's going to be a question of following the uh, following the money, following the dollar signs, the, the dollars and cents, both in terms of, uh, you know, what does it do to your uh, costs, your, your infrastructure costs, your overhead uh, to have those targeted um, uh, 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 broadcast teams and what does it do to uh, the revenue? Now, I personally believe that equality still does matter. And if you're calling baseball for television, it's a completely different kettle of fish than calling it for radio. And to simulcast that, I don't think is as engaging. Now, again, I might be way too old school. Maybe a lot of younger fans don't even notice, but but I certainly do. And I've seen some research in terms of the way that people respond to simulcast compared to uh, a, a radio play-by-play providing the additional stuff, the additional theater of the mind that you don't need to do when you're a, a television broadcaster. You know, there's only so many Dan Schulmans around who can just, you know, basically be so nimble, whether he's doing it for radio or doing it for, uh, for television. Uh, I, I personally think that it is something that the teams have got to participate in as well because they want fan engagement. And the reality is, with what's happening in the world of sport around us, if you're just focused on your stadium, as an example, uh, which which has to be an important focus, you want that live experience to be worthy of people paying not only for their tickets, but for their parking and for their concessions and, and, and the travel time to get to the stadium. But teams and, and leagues and, and networks that only focus on the stadium experience are going to miss the boat because there's going to be an emerging virtual experience. And that's where it's going to be very interesting. I, I see almost like a, a, a third dimension of, uh, of media coverage and play-by-play coming down the pike, especially with the increased investment uh, you know, in terms of uh, sports betting. Uh, you've got you know, uh, non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, digital assets, all those things. And so I think what is going to happen is we're going to move from this conversation of TV play-by-play for baseball and other sports versus radio customized play-by-play to sort of like um, a handful, like you know, five, six um, uh, different applications that have to be managed. And you know, if you really want to appeal to the betters, for example, you've got to have content that, that targets them specifically. They don't have the same attention span as fans who are you know, prepared to kick back for three and a half hours of baseball. That's what I see happening. But where it goes, you know what? My guess is as good as anybody's. Tom, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, we've managed to get through this entire chat without talking about COVID, and uh, I've been trying to do that, but I do have to ask you, uh, when it comes to the National Hockey League, we've had two games that have been postponed here in Winnipeg this week. We've got two more in a couple weeks. Um, the game against the Calgary Flames that the Jets were supposed to play on New Year's Eve has been postponed, and that was in a 50% building. This is the first time we've seen postponements made not because of COVID outbreaks within teams, but because of the ability of teams to have fans in the building. Uh, what do you see happening in the next couple months for in specifically the Canadian NHL teams? How much of a hurdle will this be for them considering what is and what isn't happening south of the border? 
Well, I'll tell you, I, I do think it's going to be, uh, how can I say, uh, walking on eggshells for a, at least a month, probably two months. And, you know, it's caught the leagues completely off guard. Uh, the, the, and you just said it well. The reality is they're dealing on the one hand with their own outbreaks, trying to make sure that there's integrity of roster. Uh, they're going to loosen that up a little bit with the taxi squad capabilities. Uh, you know, so there's that side of it to be able to put, you know, as good a product on the ice as possible. But then on the other hand, there's navigating what the what the provincial health authorities are permitting in the various, you know, jurisdictions, um, you know, in the National Hockey League. And of course, we're talking, you know, B.C., Alberta, Ontario and Quebec and, of course, Manitoba, home of the Jets. Uh, so the, 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 I, I do think that uh, there's a lot of nervous. Uh, programmers right now, a lot of nervous league and franchise executives, uh, simply because, uh, you know, I don't think anybody with uncertainty can say this is exactly what's going to happen over these next few months. Uh, until such time as there's higher percentage vaccinations, uh, the, the boosts that protect more against the Omicron uh, uh, variant, we're going to be playing a bit of a guessing game and the leagues that will move forward are the ones that can adapt and pivot in terms of their policy. Some people may suggest, well, it's just, you know, that's just dollar and cents driving it. And they're largely right. But the NFL and the NBA are going to have to sort of adjust their regulations if they're going to get games in on the stadium capacity issue. That's a real tough one because the last thing, that teams from the all, you know, seven Canadian markets want to do is go back to playing with no fans in the stands. But I wouldn't rule that out entirely. I personally think they're going to try to net, they do everything they can at 50% capacity uh, for as long as they need to. Um, hopefully uh, the data that we're seeing in other countries will be such that the, the spike will be a downwards trend, uh, you know, in, in the coming weeks and months. But I got to tell you, I've never seen these kinds of tender hooks on the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championships. You get a couple of more uh, um, uh, forfeits and you, you have to question, can they make it to the gold medal game with integrity? So it's not just the National Hockey League that's got that question, but tournaments like the IIHF World Juniors and Edmonton Reindeer are, are, again, there's not a clear pathway or a certain pathway for them uh, moving forward. Well, you're exactly right. And I mean, I think that the NHL, at least with the NHLers not going to the Olympics, have the benefit of a pre-planned break that they can make up games. That's not the case for the world juniors. And I'll just, you know, can finish off with this. Chris Peters reporting the last half hour. Yeah, I'm hearing the IIHF tournament director is expected to meet today to discuss the future of this world juniors. I believe cancellation of the remainder of the tournament is on the table but nothing decided yet. I mean, that would be a real tough blow for so many young men that have been waiting their whole lives to try to play in this event. Uh, and it also would be financially devastating for pretty much all of the partners, the double IHF at the top of the ladder, Hockey Canada, and of course, TSN, who has a lot of investment in this event and has for over 20 years. It's, it's appointment television. Uh, it's become part of the fabric, at least here in Canada. Uh, it's become more important in the United States than other countries. But this is where it matters most. And for the IIHF uh, to forego the upside of a Canadian hosting opportunity, and we're not talking 
just, you know, uh, fans in the stands. We're talking about sponsorship. Uh, wherever this tournament is, whether it's in Canada or European countries, most of the sponsors are driven by Hockey Canada. And Hockey Canada would, would certainly uh, have, a, have a gut punch to deal with if that's what happens here. No doubt about it. Tom, thanks so much for doing this. Let's catch up early in the new year. Be well, be safe, and uh, a happy 22 to you in a couple days. Hey, uh, right back at you. Uh, uh, Happy New Year, healthy New Year, rewarding New Year. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much, Tom. There's Tom Manick. You can follow him on Twitter at The Sport Market. Longtime host of The Sport Market coming out of Vancouver, BC. We're going to flip over to the Jets and or really Jets going into 2022. Uh, But I did mention it's Boxing Week, and the Boxing Week sale continues at Royal Sports. Incredible deals on all sorts of merchandise right now at 750 Pembina Highway. They do have a ton of Bomber Grey Cup champion gear. Amazing Jets gear. If you maybe have been waiting to pick out what you wanted after Christmas. And, of course, amazing sales over on the Kings Skate, Snow, and Surfside. Head on over to 750 Pembina Highway and check out all the deals on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. A big happy new year to our friends at Not Auto Corp who have been such a big part of supporting us from day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're thinking about a vehicle in 2022, start your search with the experts at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing price with the help of the Not team? Go see them and all those amazing Teslas and other vehicles on the lot at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at dot.ca. And of course, also you can check into all the great new services with the Winnipeg Car Lab that is now up and running over at not.ca as well as Winnipeg Car Lab on all of the socials. And a big happy new year to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Nick and Nikki have been with us since day one as well. Not quite ice cream weather per se, but um, hey, this is the slurpy capital of the world. We pretty much learn how to deal with it. So if you got a hankering for a blizzard, there's four Nick and Nicky DQs around. DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. But in addition, some of the most underrated burgers in the fast food game, chicken fingers, fries, all that great stuff available. And you can get it on Skip the Dishes as well if you're in the St. Vital area. St. Anne's, open year round, Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, they'll deliver it to you. Hit them up online and do that. And, of course, follow them on Instagram, DQ Manitoba. You can make your order uh, for a cake and pick it up for your next event. All right, let's uh, welcome in our good friend Murata Tash for the final time of 2021. Hard to believe that we're just about to get into the new year. Best of the season to you, my friend. Uh, how was the uh, How are the holidays? I think I could use another couple of naps. I just put out on Twitter, like, let's resolve the world juniors, give Canada the gold. Let's all take it easy for another minute or two is my vibe right now. Do we get the gold just because we're hosting it or uh, because we pumped the Austrians last night? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I think because it's you and me making the decision more than anything. Uh, but yeah, sir, gold differential has got to be kind of the Canadians right now. I'm not sure if anybody else can sort of mess with the, the gold differential they put together, but I'm a hundred percent actually on team. Um, let, let the, you know, the less competitive teams compete in this context within reason to a certain degree too, because I'm sure it was only not that long ago that Nick Ehlers' team Denmark was, you know, not winning gold medals uh, at the world juniors, but now look at what he's doing in the NHL and all the kids that look up to him. I mean, there's generational change and I just wanted to throw that in there too, but no, give Canada the gold. Uh, Perfetti could use a, an award or two, although Connor Bedard, oh my goodness. 
Um, it's fun though. It we're, we might lose it in a heartbeat. We might lose it in a heartbeat, and it would only be fair given what's happened to other tournaments. But it's so much fun, and and I'm just waiting to see what happens. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, like, I, you know, I know there's been a lot of uh, belly aching and moaning about other cancellations on this. I mean, those all happened after everyone was in Edmonton. They were there. They had been quarantined. So. Um, I mean, there are bigger questions about, you know, the equality in the sport and, and all that. Um, but I mean, if you have everyone there, it makes sense to try to continue, especially when so much of the money from this event actually goes to putting on those other events that are far less popular and established as the world juniors. I guess my question is, though, I mean, what's your feeling about how this goes forward? We've got another two postponements today. We hear there's a meeting with the IAHF, uh, IAHF director at this afternoon. Um, you, we are getting into the point in all seriousness that the integrity of a world championship, um, you know, is really at stake right now. And as disappointing as it would be for everybody involved, they are just about getting to the point where it's going to be very difficult to continue this tournament with any sort of integrity of a champion. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't, say, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs that was won in a bubble, but everybody kind of had equal opportunity. This seems to be teams, specific teams forfeiting games as a result of COVID-19 outbreaks. And, you know, it's hard to imagine a world in which that they can keep that, you know, corralled to a particular team or, or two or, you know, or three as it is at this point. Like, there's going to be a point of, of no return, I imagine, for this group. And that's sad. Um, that's, you know, that's sad to me because obviously this is a great stage for a lot of these players. I do think, though, that because like you say, the World Junior under 20 men's is such a cash cow for the IHF that they'll probably try awfully hard to force the asterisk for as long as they possibly can. They've already demonstrated that commitment. Um, the one thing that I like, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about Cole Pervetti a lot because I interviewed him at length last week. He got two pieces up at the Athletic. I asked him about the cancellations to other tournaments, and you know how this could be our last best on best for a particular you know age and gender level uh, for for a while. And you know, he didn't take that lightly. Lightly, pardon me. You know, he expressed a real sadness about cancellations of the U18 women's the Spengler Cup otherwise and I I like that gratitude from Winnipeg's you know 19 year old prospect I like that sense of appreciation for the opportunity that he does get and and an understanding that this is bigger than than just one player or one tournament too so you know if Jets fans out there are sorting through how they feel about all this stuff well it's nice to know that Cole Perfetti isn't taking even a moment of this world junior tournament for granted and that's nice to know yeah, it's a really interesting piece on Perfetti over at The Athletic. Check it out right now. Questions for you as well as for some uh, some readers um, and all sorts of topics covered. Let's talk about the important topic about how he's looking on the ice with six points through two games. We knew he'd be a leader on Team Canada. He has certainly been that so far. Um, just what have you thought about his play so far? And when you watch him in this tournament, and granted, it's only been two games and one of them was against Austria, which is, uh, you know, one of the... the, the, the the teams that are up and coming, shall we say, not quite of the caliber of Canada. Um, does it open up your thoughts as to where's the best spot for him when he comes back, especially depending on what the situation is up with the big club in Winnipeg? Well, I talked to him about that a little bit. You know, he's played at so many different levels over the last little while, right? Even the men's world championships um, where he won a gold medal with Team Canada and so he, he has a few different viewpoints and to watch him on the ice against the world junior competition, this elite, highly talented youth. It's interesting because you get to see him 
almost assert himself physically from time to time in a way you never do at, uh, you know, at the AHL level. The strength issue is like, or the strength divide is an issue at times in terms of how, uh, how competitive he is in certain moments. But I think the big thing that I'm taking away, because I'm not going to read too much into a destruction of Austria or anything like that, I, or a small sample size in general, but just to watch him on the ice, um, Cole Perfetti's biggest strengths have always been his brain, the way that he can read plays so well that he sort of suffocates defenses just by waiting them out. He takes the puck, he picks it up, he makes his curl, he um, has his head up, he's shoulder checking all the while. And uh, he can then wait for just the right moment to make an incisive pass or take the puck to the net, whatever it is. He always seems to be one step ahead of defenders. Last year at the tournament, I don't think he was quite as dominant. He was one skilled player among many. At this point, against junior level competition, I think that he is just outthinking them by leaps and bounds and seems to always have the puck and always be taking it to dangerous areas. I think junior competition is long gone for him. And the question should be whether AHL competition uh, is appropriate at this stage as well. And I have time for him playing big minutes with the Moose. But with Winnipeg's opportunities opening up, I have time for Jets opportunities as well. Well, and, and, I'll, and I'll go one step further with what you mentioned about what we're seeing him, especially at this junior level and at times in the American Hockey League, that with the, the makeup of the player that he is um, and so much of it between the ears and the way he thinks the game and sees the game, I think there's an argument that playing with the best in the world and even more highly skilled players in the National Hockey League might put him into an even greater position to succeed. Now, yes, you got to be ready and there's some growth and maturity and all that, but just projecting, never mind this season down the road, I'm even more excited about Perfetti and his potential with the Winnipeg Jets after seeing what he's done in this tournament, but also what he's done with the Manitoba Moose this season. Yeah, exactly. I I feel the same way, really, because when the player isn't that big and he's not a burner in terms of his speed, although that's gradually improving, you sort of wonder, how's he going to get his points? How's he going to assert himself? How's he going to control the flow of play at that next level? And with Cole Perfetti, you're, you're finding out step by step that he, he can still do it. He can still play major minutes at five on five and on the power play for Manitoba and excel at them and be a player who can pick apart defenses, be a player who sees plays that others don't and who times them and executes them as well. So certainly he's going to lose a physical battle here or there, but I think he's a he's a positive impact player already at this stage of his career. And the question, if you're the Winnipeg Jets or the Manitoba Moose, but I'm thinking from Winnipeg's perspective, is when is the best time to make that promotion? Because I want this player playing at the highest level that he possibly can, where the problems he's solving on a shift-by-shift basis are challenging him and not frustrating him so much beyond the point of confidence. I think the NHL could be that level right now. And certainly there's something to be gained by by waiting. Uh, so, you know, you defer the ELC by a year, UFA eligibility in some cases, depending on pro experiences. But I think that the way that Cole Perfetti thinks the game, if you're willing to be that extremely modern team that integrates youth alongside veteran talent, you could probably get a lot long term out of challenging Cole Perfetti to solve some of those problems against the best players in the world. If he's got veterans alongside him, helping him along the way. Let me ask you this. I mean, so much of this has to be framed in in what's happened over the last couple of weeks, and that's the most significant change that we've seen with the Winnipeg Jets in 10 years, and that's Paul Maurice stepping away as head coach. Dave Lowry spent a lot of time in junior hockey, knows more recent junior players, and has seen them move into the National Hockey League. Um, do you think that the coaching change at all changes 
Perfetti's opportunity with the club in the short term? Or is this really a decision of the general manager and the organization as to what's best for the player and the team? Well, I keep looking for signs that things are different. And certainly to watch practice this week, you know, the the competition around the net front, that's a sign. You know, the amount of drills Winnipeg ran uh, through traffic in tight spaces where players fought to get offense from the middle of the slot, low slot fighting for that real estate, that you can point to and say that's different. But you can also point to Billy Hanela being called up to the taxi squad for a couple of practices and sent back, right back down to the moose as, well, that's kind of the same as it always was, isn't it? And I'm not sure that Winnipeg's looking at Dave Lowry as an opportunity for a sea change in how they do anything. And maybe it's from a certain perspective. I mean, it was a pretty good team that was struggling. It's not on, like there. It's not that things had come off the rails entirely that, that necessitated the coaching change. Um, I don't think they're looking at him for a sea change. I don't think they're looking at him to suddenly integrate a 19-year-old player much sooner than the organization's plans would have been uh, already. And that would apply to Cole Perfetti. That would apply to, to Ville Hainala. Um, David Gustafson looks like he's going to get an opportunity. Now he's back at health and, and some other folks aren't as well. I just don't know. I think that if we see Cole Perfetti play in January in Winnipeg as a Jet, it will be because of a level that he hit. And because of a plan that everybody was already in on, I don't think Dave Lowry will have been the reason that things have changed. Well, listen, I'd take anyone playing in Winnipeg as a Jet at some point this January. I mean, I guess yes. right now those games at the end of the month are still technically on. We'll see what happens. But I don't get a lot of confidence looking at the news ticker these days that that's going to happen. Uh, oh, what you make of the, the, the situation that this team is in and the Canadian teams are in for that matter? I mean... We sort of knew, and it made sense to have this game tonight postponed, and certainly from an organizational standpoint, it's devastating to have to play games with no buildings. I heard Montreal, just for that one game that was canceled to the last minute, or, or fans were not allowed in at the last minute, but they played the game because Philly was there, cost them $2.3 million. I believe the quote I saw in Gates for the Winnipeg Jets is about $1.4 million, which is a much smaller building here as opposed to the Bell Centre in Montreal. But what was very interesting and sort of caught me a little off guard, Marat, was the announcement yesterday after we finished the program that the Jets-Flames game on New Year's Eve was being put off. And that, of course, was in an environment where 50% fans were allowed to be in the building. Um, you know, with where we're at right now, and unfortunately, these cases are only going one direction and it ain't down. You wonder at what point do... You know, how many games can you put off? How many can you put into February? And I guess the big question is, are these games going to be able to be played in Winnipeg and in Canadian markets with full buildings in February? I don't know if anyone has the answer to that. Yeah, it, the, the really interesting thing to me is for most of the pandemic-affected hockey, the NHL seems to have had all kinds of contingency plans. You know, I I really have thought from that first initiation of the bubble to now that whatever was being unfolded did have some X's and Y's. And if this happens, then that happens, even if, if it wasn't always made public. And I think that we're in that same sort of, of playground again, except consequences will come sooner. February is not that far away. February is coming up. And like you say, the thing that catches my eye is there's only so many games you can play in February in that space that the Olympic break was supposed to occupy. And they're promising teams a one week by week during that as well. I mean, you're going to run out after a certain point. And what I think, and this is just an opinion, just infer in an inference based on all of this, I think what the NHL is doing is it's treading water, treading water, waiting for policies to change. 
I don't think anybody imagines that COVID-19 is going away. I don't think anybody imagines that Omicron is going to disappear based on its spread. What was it? 26% test positivity in Winnipeg today. Um, you know, but I think that there may be a gamble being made that, okay, if it can, if it does turn out to somehow be less um, damaging society-wide or what have you, I'll leave the medical experts to talk about that. But if it does happen, then maybe the, the, the regulations change. Maybe the, the isolation times change. Maybe they do, like some of the players have been campaigning for, though I, I don't understand the argument, stop testing asymptomatic players. Like, they may be playing at being able to change what their policies are so that they can finish a season. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're, you're bang on on that. And I guess as part of that, we just got the news that, you know, the National Hockey League has sort of followed the um, CDC and changed the quarantine for positive players from 10 days to five days. Now, that's great for all the teams south of the border, um, but teams, and much like we saw a very different story last year for Canadian teams than there were for American teams, um, the rules are different on this side of the 49th, and I don't imagine at any point soon Winnipeg Jet players that test positive will be able to coming back in five days as opposed to 10. Yeah, I mean, if you're Andrew Kopp and you're Christian Veseline and waiting for the go-ahead, and certainly I have no idea what their symptomatic levels are. I hope they're doing well. I mean, you're you're hoping that, you know, that five days would apply to you, and it's not necessarily going to, um, based on our understanding of how Canada works thus far. Um, and then you could get into that situation where it's a two-tiered system again, and I don't know how much appetite there is for that. I don't know how much appetite there is for a Canadian division. I don't know that you could rearrange things to necessarily make that work tremendously effectively. It's it's a mess, isn't it? It's a mess that people are trying to manage as best as they can. And because it's such an economic driver and such a joy and such a welcome distraction from from the day to day, people are doing the best that they can in an attempt at hope at, at something here. And 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 thankfully, you know, throughout the NHL this season, my, I, I think all of the folks that have gotten sick and recovered have really come back to 100 percent as, as far as we know, um, which is which is great news. The other thing is now that you're getting into like once you get into policies, you get into gamesmanship. Once there's two different sets of rules, whether it's five days or 10 days. And certainly I'm not sure if the new regulations require players to test negative on their way out. Um, they have to consult with a doctor. There's all sorts of different things um, that still, I think, need to be ironed out as these policies change. One of them is that players who test positive um, I believe don't need another test for 90 days. So getting Omicron early on in the season can be an advantage for these guys once they heal and recover and stay on a roster for a longer period of time. The flames are set. The flames like, are good to go for the next three months. Which is an absurd consideration for a professional sports league with human beings whose you know well-being is at stake and everybody who they see, uh, their well-being is, is affected as well. It's it just... I don't have clarity on it. I'm figuring my way out through it, but it sure seems like a mess to me uh, at the present moment. All right. Uh, Remus just throwing up for those of you watching on uh, YouTube, an update from Bobby Margarita. Not that Chris Peters needs his works checked because he doesn't, but I can't confirm the uh, 2022 world junior championships will be canceled. Official statements and news conference to come. Wow. No more world juniors. New Year's Eve, I, I said yesterday, New Year's Eve got a lot more boring without that Jets-Flames game. Uh, well, we can take Canada and Finland off of it. And um, I guess just, Marat, your reaction. I mean, uh, sucks for the player. It, it just sucks for everybody involved. And, uh, man, what a microcosm of what everyone's dealing with right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, full credit for them uh, to respond with something that's going to be safe for everybody. It sucks so much to not be able to have that to watch. But my heart goes to the individuals who are part of the tournament, right? You're a Cole Perfetti who turns 20 on New Year's Day, and this would be his last World Junior Tournament. Won silver with Canada last year, was heartbroken by that Trevor Zegers performance. I think Matty Beniers had a lot to do with that as well. And now he and the other, you know, I'm not sure what the age distribution is, but he in particular will never have an opportunity to try to avenge that silver and turn it into a gold. And there's going to be players like that on all of the teams that are affected or, you know, draft eligible players who are um, looking to make big cases for themselves. It's not the Connor Bedards I worry about in a situation like this. Uh, you know, it's the individuals who, who for them, this would be a tournament with plenty at stake. And, and your heart just sort of goes out there. Like I know Cole Perfetti had his family visiting and, you know, they were willing to not see each other out of a sense of a health precaution, but be in the building and, and cheer on and things like that. And that just adds to the U18 women's, it adds to the Spengler Cup, it adds to so many different people who have, you know, something major that brings them joy, that brings them opportunity that is being impacted and taken away. So it's it's sadness is my hot take. No doubt about it. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I'm uh, just learning that the World Junior Hockey Championships will be cancelled, uh, as reported by Bob McKenzie and uh, Chris Peters have originally reported they were meeting about this. Sounds like that is happening, and that is a uh, real gut punch for everybody involved in the tournament and I think Canadians across the country that were hoping to have some uh, excellent best-on-best under-20 hockey to uh, get them through over the course of the next little while. Uh, Murat, let's uh, quickly pivot to the Jets for a couple minutes. Um, you know, going into this road trip, the, the Flames game is out. Um, they're going in. They're going to have to get ready to go on Sunday against the Vegas Golden Knights because Vegas has been playing. Um, they looked very good last night, uh, thumping the Kings. Um, and you've got now, I guess, a road trip that, that doesn't have the Flames, but you've got a big game against the Avalanche. you got a game against the Vegas. you got Arizona, who the Jets certainly owe one to. Um, and then the uncertainty of games coming back with another bit of time off with the home games that were scheduled on the 8th and 10th not taking place. I mean, uh, how do you see things going in uh, with the Jets that have been off since the 21st and that first win behind the bench for Dave Lowry? Yeah, it's an awkward rhythm at best. And as much as in the long term, I think that having this sort of extended camp situation where they're getting multiple practice days in and time to address systems, time to make tweaks, time to do whatever it is that Coach Dave Lowry wants to do with this team. Well, that is going to have long term benefits. But to go from this practice situation into this intense road trip against teams that are playing, what I'm expecting is rust from the Winnipeg Jets and then a scrambling to sort of stick to the system, stick to uh, playing as hard as they can, stick to trying to find some chemistry as probably that first period against Vegas or some lull in the middle of that is going to look pretty rough, even if they're playing well or even if they're playing the best that they can on that day. That's a tough tough way to get back at into action against a very good team who will have less of that rust to show. No, no doubt about it. Um, you know what, this is, you know, as I said, I'm just still sort of wrapping my head around the fact that we've gone from one game being put off to a couple more today to the cancellation of the event and all these other NHL games. And it just feels like we're right back in like March and April of 2020. And I just cannot believe it. Well, a good thing is we will have jet games into the new year, at least on the road for the time being. 
Um, and I do know that going into the new year, we'll have more great chats with you. And obviously, we'll love uh, to check out your work at The Athletic. Any New Year's resolutions before we go, Murad? Have you thought much about New Year's Eve, other than the fact that everything closes at 10 p.m. and we probably will have nothing to do and now no hockey to watch, either in the net, either with the Jets or Team Canada? Oh, thank goodness. Way to put that all into perspective, us. I, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what, what joy will come on New Year's Eve. But, but 2021, as, as difficult as it's been, has brought us lots of great chats. You, you know, I've, I've loved every minute on this show. Thanks for having me. And we'll figure out a way to make 2022 all right as well. No, we certainly will. Uh, listen, all the best to you, uh, Haley, the family. Uh, you've been uh, a huge part of this program through 2021 and can't wait to uh, do it again with you uh, in 2022. Be well, stay safe, my friend. We'll uh, talk to you soon. You too. Bring it on. Great stuff. And check out Marat's latest piece with uh, Cole Perfetti at The Athletic. Real fun read for Winnipeg Jet fans. All right, we are going to talk a little bit more uh, about the passing of John Madden. Uh, I guess the one thing we can't count on, uh, the NFL was playing. We got two weeks left in the regular season. Figured this would be a great time to bring in the hacksaw. And we'll do that in just a second. Uh, but a big happy New Year to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Now, I just painted a pretty bleak picture of New Year's Eve, which, to be honest, is accurate. Um, however, we're all going to make the best of it. And if you're planning on having a few beers, why not do it with Winnipeg's best local beer? That, of course, is Little Brown Jug. You can pick up the 1919, the uh, iconic flagship brand, although a ton of really great Little Brown Jug beers available in the winter variety pack, as well as check out the uh, five-year anniversary Brute IPA, a champagne-like beer uh, with a little bit of citrus in it. Uh, I've had a few of them. They're phenomenal. Maybe that would be a perfect New Year's uh, beer. Now, of course, you can get it down at the uh, Tap House and Brewery on William Avenue, or you can order it online at littlebrownjug.ca and uh, maybe check out those new five-year tulip glasses as well. Uh, they do deliver citywide, so get to littlebrownjug.ca if you're staying home. We'll get a delivery out to you. And if you are welcoming in the new year with some uh, some cold ones, Make sure it is Little Brown Jug. Uh, a big thanks to Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know a lot of you had Princess Auto items on your Christmas list. Hopefully you got them all. Princess Auto, of course, is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them in-store at one of two Winnipeg locations. Of course, their national headquarters are right here. The company was started in Winnipeg and still family-owned. Uh, but you can also stay home and shop 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. And, uh, well, it's a bummer that we won't have the games to go out and watch or watch at home. Uh, but we still do need to eat. And uh, if you're looking to uh, you know, maybe spice up the uh, the dinner you can always go to our friends at Boston Pizza, those amazing gourmet pizzas, Boston's Wings. I don't know about the delivery on the ice-cold schooners, but pretty much everything else on the menu, ready to go at bostonpizza.com or get out all restaurants and bars right now, 50% capacity, safely socially distanced, pop down to your local Boston Pizza to finish up 2021. All right, uh, we'll have more reaction to the uh, pending cancellation of the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championship coming up a little later on in the show. But let's welcome in a, uh, a, a Winnipeg Sports Talk Hall of Famer, if there ever was, for a holiday visit from the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Hacksaw, 
best of the season to you. How have you been, my friend? Hustler, how are you? Thank you for the compliments. I mean, those are synonymous with the other word that I use on your show, just being filler. Uh, doing well. Uh, I wish COVID would go away. Uh, we're wrapping up 2021, just like 2020. It's hard to believe we've been in this situation. Uh, you and I go back talking about it when it first started for 22 months. So we're getting through it. It's it's going to change. I, I I think sports has really had an enormous challenge as to how to handle this medically. Uh, I think we were all scared 10 days ago about what Omni was going to be all about. And now I think we've come to the realization that at least those who've been vaccinated, just talking specifically about NFL, NBA, NHL players, that those who have been vaccinated, you know, can get exposed, can have a positive test, but can be back within five days. So uh, we're, we're suppressing where we are, but there's still some scary things going forward because we got the NFL playoffs coming. And my biggest fear is we're going to have an outbreak on a team the week of a playoff game, it's going to really impact that team. And so the, the league is doing, I think, everything they can humanly do. The one thing they haven't done yet, and maybe they're going to do it in the next week to 10 days, is send everybody into a bubble, in a hotel bubble, for the final week of the regular season and then all the playoff games. Because that's the only way I think you can prevent another explosive outburst. And, you know, the Chargers, for example, here in Southern California got 18 guys on their list. The Rams a week ago had 24. Uh, we've seen whole positions of teams wiped out by, by positive tests. So it's a tough situation to be in. I, I think it's lessening, but the impact is still there. If you lose 24 players for a five-day span before they can be reinstated, that's devastating to your team. So it's tough going forward, and then, you know, you're dealing with it in Canada. And the NHL is a little bit different in Canada than the NHL here because Canada won't allow players back for at least 10 days. Here, the NHL today announced five-day window. If you're clean after a positive test after five days, you can be reinstated if, if vaccinated. Yeah, and of course, the big story here in Canada that's just broken in the last half hour as we've been on the air is it looks like the World Junior Hockey Championship, which is such a, a huge event in the holidays here, um, really from coast to coast, and it's become a massive event around the world for hockey fans uh, it looks like it's going to be canceled due to positive um, tests on three teams so far in the tournament, which is uh, which is really sad. But back to the NFL and the change to five days, sort of in some ways funny, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's a poor choice of words um, that Carson Wentz, who uh, you know was notoriously not going to get the vaccine, such an important part of a very good Indianapolis Colts team ended up on the COVID-19 list earlier this week. I think the only thing surprising was that he wasn't on earlier. That being said, Lee, um, you know, we have seen that change made official this week. So um, it is significantly different. And for teams like the Colts, there still is a chance they might have their star quarterback playing for them on Sunday. Uh, how is that going over around the league? Is it pretty much unanimous support for it um, that, you know, we're going to follow the CDC on this and um, do what we can to have as many players close to 100% playing in these games that are so important coming down the stretch? Follow the science. Those are the only words you can use. I mean, this is beyond my learning curve and your academic uh, abilities. Uh, you have to follow the science. Uh, I'm, now, I'm not positive that, that Carson Wentz can be reinstated after five days because I, I was led to believe that anybody that was unvaxxed still had to be in that 10-day window before they could be brought back. So I think it's some clarification on that. But you know, a prime example is, is what happened in Buffalo to Cole Beasley. You know, he has fought publicly that you can't force me to have a vaccine. I don't like this protocol. 
he got fined six different times by the league for violations of the protocol over the course of the whole season. He's been fined, I was told, in excess of $96,000. And now he tests positive. So he goes on the COVID list and he's unvaxxed. So, I mean, it, the, the, I think what shocks me the most is the more we find out about these ma uh, mess of players who've been positive tested, now we're finding out more and more of them run vaccinated. And that's kind of stunning. I mean, the Chargers situation here is, I mean, Joey Bosa, their elite defensive end, the heart and soul of their defense, not vaccinated. He's still out. He's the second week still on the COVID list. Uh, and it's it's still around the league. But I think it's it's just fate. It's a disease that you, you cannot control. Uh, I'm trying to think which executive made the comment. I think it was Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, says this is like fighting a ghost. You don't know where it's coming from. So it's it's going to get better, but we're still having the outbreaks. And I, I think the league is just scared uh, that something's going to happen last week of the season. Something's going to happen to these teams in the wild cards. Uh, and then that really impacts then the most important part of the season. So we'll see where this goes. I would I would hope the league would consider a bubble hotel situation for every team that's still left in the playoff race, maybe the final week of the season and through the postseason. Uh, Lee, I wanted to ask you about the passing of John Madden before we go any further. I do want to talk about the upcoming weeks and the, the NFL playoff picture going in. But, um, you know, with you and your illustrious career working in the National Football League, I was thinking about you this morning. I imagine you probably crossed paths with uh, with Madden a few times. I mean, uh, what what was your thoughts first off when you heard the news that he'd passed? And what are your memories of John Madden, who is such a special individual to really three full generations of NFL fans? Well, we all followed football for a long, long time, especially on television. I think we all recall Howard Cosell being the face and the voice of Monday Night Football. Uh, and his impact has been felt forever and ever as to what Monday Night Football has become. I tend to think that John Madden became the personality of Monday Night Football and the personality of, of TV broadcasting of NFL football. And he was the first of the analysts that was really great. Uh, he was an every man's man, and I think that's the thing. You know, the game is is so complicated, and it's so concise, and it's it's about technique, and it's about matchups. And yet John Madden had the ability to talk to me and to talk to you and to talk to all your viewers in Winnipeg about the intricacies, but put it in simple man's language. Uh, great personality. Uh, I, I was fortunate to interview Cosell twice before he passed, and he was at a different level intellectually. And I interviewed Madden a couple of times as the voice of the Chargers and the Seahawks and just just had fun because he was he was affable. He was he was like the man's fan. Uh, you know, when you look at John Madden and you think of the other great coaches of his era, Tom Landry with the hat and the shirt and the tie and dapper dressed and the stoicism of Bud Grant and just the fierce piercing eyes of Chuck Knoll. Those were all the equals to John Madden when he was the coach of the Raiders. And you look at Madden. How he dressed, how he acted, he was a swashbuckler. He was so much fun to be around. Players loved him. And it was interesting because he, he made the comment uh, to me one time, and I know it, it's been written about in the last 24 hours. He had hardly any rules at all. His only rules were show up on time and play hard for me. And <laughs> I remember making this statement to me, fewer rules, fewer rules to be broken. Cool guy. What a cool guy. I, I would hope the NFL can come up with something creative to honor his name, John Madden Coach of the Year Award, or I don't know if it'd be John Madden Pro Football Hall of Fame, but there's something the league should do, uh, or maybe fly a flag in every stadium with his silhouette on it. 
hell of a guy and yeah worked for a crazy man and he was a crazy man too well and and listen i i think a lot of our younger um, viewers and listeners know him through being the iconic name of the Madden NFL franchise, which many of us really learned football through. Um, you know, for people, if you're in your 40s or even, th- you know, late 30s, you remember Madden as this iconic broadcaster who was so much to watch on Sunday afternoon. Um, but I mean, even I don't really remember him as an actual Super Bowl winning coach. And, you know, reading about his life today, it kind of caught me off guard that he became the head coach of the Raiders at 32 years old. I mean, we're talking about Brandon Staley and Nick Sirianni and some of these younger coaches right now. I mean, there's lots of players in the league that are 32. I mean, what can you tell us about him as an actual head coach, getting that start and obviously being, uh, you know, winning the Super Bowl for Al Davis's Raiders? Well, he was a football junkie and he grew up as a football player, but then had injuries and his career lasted less than one season with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he promptly reverted and spun back into coaching. He actually started his coaching career. He was a junior college in California for a couple of years and came to San Diego and coached under Don Coriel at San Diego State. He was on the same staff uh, with Joe Gibbs and a couple of other guys that wound up in the NFL. How brilliant is that? And then, of course, he went on. And as an assistant coach with the Raiders, got hired immediately by Al Davis, who was hands-on everything, and yet he and Madden had a pretty good working relationship. You know, his career record was unbelievable. It was like 106 and 32 and 7. Think about that. But he only got to the Super Bowl one time. Uh, He lost an AFC championship game, I think, five or six times, and he kept butting heads with Chuck Knoll and the Steel Curtain and all, all the great teams that Pittsburgh had. But he did finally win a Super Bowl. But he was a free spirit. He coached a bunch of renegades, a.k.a. Raiders. He let them be themselves. I remember Gene Upshaw telling me years and years ago that the reason Madden was so successful with all these guys that were out there was he let these guys be out there as people as long as they came and did everything he wanted as a coach within the NFL confines of the Raider locker room and practices and and games. I mean, he molded players. He directed players. He was tough on players. He had a, had a bunch of guys that played on the edge. A lot of guys had problems off the field, but when they put that silver and black on, they did everything he wanted. I mean, he was a really special guy. And then he walked away from it. You know, and I, I thought about this in the early hours this morning, because I'm going to write a column on my website about John Madden tonight. I thought about this. He checked off every box in life. You just think about that. Player, coach, uh, Marketing guy, Hall of Fame broadcaster, phenomenal. He had all the checkboxes. So I don't think we'll ever see anything like this ever, ever again. And I think he, in the history of the NFL, is to football what Howard Cosell was to broadcasting football. Did, did anyone not like Madden? I mean, and I know when someone passes, I mean, usually people are giving platitudes right now. But I mean, I kind of think of just how it seemingly universally loved this guy was because of the special person that he was. Well, I think I think there's a lot of issues in the rivalry with Pittsburgh, and I, I think there was one that wound up in a really ugly lawsuit about violent acts on the field. That's when Madden was a coach, and Al Davis was running everything, and Chuck Noll made the comment about we got to get the criminal element out of the National Football League, and he was making direct reference to everything that the Raiders did, uh, from the owner to the general manager to that coach to the players on the field. But uh, I. Hey, his impact on the game was just spectacular. His impact on coaches, on his staffs, uh, really, really special. So, like I say, I don't think we'll ever see a persona like this ever come this way again. 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us, uh, remembering John Madden and talking some NFL here, heading into what week 17, two weeks left of the regular season, which is now, of course, 17 weeks. Um, a number of teams have clinched their playoff spots, but there's a ton of teams on the edge right now. Lee, let me talk in your backyard right now. What the hell happened to the Chargers last week against the Texans? Uh, that might be as devastating a loss for a single team when you think about what it meant for their situation, their playoff spot in years in the National Football League. And one of the most stunning results we've seen in a long time, too. I just asked how that, that could ever happen how you could allow a team that was 28th in offense, 32nd in defense to be so strong against you. Uh, and they were really out of sync. And then COVID had a little bit to do with it, but Houston had a lot of guys on their COVID list too. I think the Chargers had 14 that were out of the game this past Sunday, but still football's football and you still got the quarterback, Justin Herbert, and they lost their way. And I, I think all their flaws of the Chargers this season were exposed by Houston. Chargers can't stop anybody running the football. Uh, that's been a problem all year. Chargers special teams have been leaky. That's been a problem most of the year. Uh, had a tough time, you know, protecting Justin Herbert so he could get into a rhythm. And then the quarterback, uh, the coach, Brandon Staley, lost his aggressiveness. And he's been going for fourth down on it all year. And he had the disaster a week ago against Kansas City where he failed three times at cost him the game. So he had couple of fourth downs against Houston, worst defense in the league, and he lost his aggressiveness. He didn't go for it. And I, I really question this week, you know, Brandon Staley has come here and has been welcomed with open arms in Los Angeles, and he's got a, a vibrant football team, but he must have left all the pages of defensive playbook in his desk at the Rams headquarters when he vacated his defensive coordinator. His defense has been terrible uh, most of the season. It's worse now. I mean, they're giving up 55% third down conversion rates can't stop the bleep and run. Well, that's that two, two pretty bad negatives. So that this is on Staley, uh, plus the bad luck with COVID. It's, it's a huge blow. I don't know that they recover. Now they're taking themselves, I think, out of the playoffs. I mean, they were four and one to start. You and I were talking about that. They're four and six since with a couple of hideous losses, and they got two games left in the season. Well, on the other side of things, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people burying the Chiefs at three and four, and justifiably so. I mean, they went up against top teams. They lost to the Titans. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Chargers. Um, and yet, here they are, 11 and four, on the verge of clinching first place. Uh, we, I mean, you've covered this game for a long time. I, I mean, I love this team. I watch every game. I didn't have a lot of confidence that things were just going to turn around, especially on the defensive side of the football league. But I mean, even in a season where it, this has not been the Patrick Mahomes air show that we remember, they look like maybe the most well-rounded team we've seen in the Andy Reid era so far. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs and their position? And really, who in the AFC, if you assume, if the Chiefs, well, they are number one right now, who's next? Uh, and of course, they've got a huge game coming up against the Bengals, who look pretty darn good, but still have some work to do before clinching their playoff spot, never mind the AFC North. Well, I'll call a couple of things. First half of the season, uh, threw the football way too much, had to throw the football, but they couldn't protect the quarterback. Their offensive line was a disaster, even though they had spent a lot of money to get four new starters in the offensive front in front of Patrick Mahomes. Well, they rearranged as they got to midseason. Uh, they moved uh, Orlando Brown from left tackle, flipped him back to right tackle. He started to play better offensively up front. They're a little bit better now. So Mahomes is not making his hairy high school throws out of desperation. So he's kind of stopped turning the football over. Uh, the other factor is they didn't have a running game to really start the season. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was not totally healthy. 
Then they stumbled upon a, a backup running back, Darrell Williams, who run, is a physical force guy, and they started to throw to him out of the backfield. And suddenly the dimensions of their offense diversified. And it wasn't just Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. It was me, Cole Hardman, and then, and then it was Williams. And now they get a layer back. So offensively, they've kind of come together since midseason, which has made Patrick Mahomes much more dangerous because he's not doing things out of desperation and making bad decisions. Defensively, uh, getting Frank Clark back at defensive end has been a huge difference. They, they traded for Melvin Ingram, a rush linebacker from Pittsburgh. Secondary started to get better as the season wore on. That's all a byproduct of better coaching. They coached some of these guys up. Aaron Matthews there is having a good season. So it's a much better, more dangerous team now. Now, the AFC, it keeps changing. It's like every 14 days, there's something different there that we need to talk about. You and I would not want them to play the Chargers in the postseason back in midseason. When the Chargers are rolling. You and I would not want to line up against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, but all of a sudden Tennessee's not the same with Henry gone, the left tackle, left guard gone uh, with COVID and injury issues. So now and Ryan Tannehill's turning the football over because he doesn't have the components around him. Baltimore looks so dangerous, but it's all caught up to him. And I just saw the video today of Lamar Jackson. He's limping, trying to practice on the field with a bad ankle. And then they lost Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback, who's a pretty explosive kid and might be as good a backup as they're in the league. He can't play because of COVID. And, of course, they don't have any running backs. And so suddenly the teams that you feared in midseason aren't the same teams anymore. So it looks like Kansas City, to me, has got a pretty good run. You know, you can throw New England into this because now, now there's a theory that, that Mac Jones has worn out, that he's kind of hit a wall. Uh, the kid that was making all the plays and had a quarterback rating like 92, he's got a quarterback rating of like 60 in the last couple of losses the Patriots have had, and suddenly they're not the same team. So who was hot then is not hot right now, and AFC is weird. I mean, as of this morning, I think, Andrew, there are six teams within one game of each other fighting for one playoff spot with two weeks to go in the season. Yeah, well, and the Miami Dolphins of all teams are in that spot right now. They were 1-7. and seven. I, I still don't think they're good enough to, to to get it done. Now, whether that means Baltimore or the Chargers, well, the Ravers, Raiders are eight and seven after that win and still alive. Um, and the funny thing is the Steelers are seven, seven and one. They're terrible. Cleveland is seven and eight. And I think Cleveland might actually have the best path of all of those teams to make the playoffs. Now, they're going to need Kansas City to beat the Bengals this week. But if that happens, and they they basically would need to beat the, uh, I I can't remember, I think they got Pittsburgh. And then they have Cincinnati in the final week at home. And that could end up being a game for the division. And, you know, it is wild. I mean, going into last week, every team in that division was 500 or better but yet they're just barely better than 500 with the exception of Cincinnati. Although if Cincinnati does lose their last two games, they could be in the outside looking in as well. It's just a oh, it's wild, wild picture. All these, these other teams, Cincinnati and Burroughs and Chase and the other wide receiver, Joe Mixon, that's a pretty good collection of people. But I don't know from a team standpoint, Cincinnati's got enough uh, to be more than one and done, even if they get to the postseason. Cleveland, all the expectation we've had, the last two years, it's all been wiped out by all these injuries and the COVID situation. And I mean, the Browns fans are beside themselves. Nobody to blame. It's just bad luck. Players get hurt in the NFL. And in the last two calendar years, players get badly sick uh, in the NFL. I don't know what to make of Indianapolis. So uh, half their offensive line is on the COVID list. They had four of them out last week. Now you got Carson Wentz hurt. That's a big negative too. So, I mean, it's there's just a lot of things going on right now with teams that you thought were going to be really good 
that are not good. Pittsburgh's era is over. Uh, I think there'll be coaching changes. Not Mike Tomlin, but I think there'll be coaching changes. And they're going to have to evaluate what what they did and what mistakes they made in the offensive front because Roethlisberger can't do it by himself if the protection is as bad as it is. And T.J. Watt can only do so much individually. So there's some pretty pretty interesting storylines once we get to the end of the regular season about what's going to happen to some of these guys in the AFC. Well, the AFC is fascinating. I mean, only the Chiefs have clinched a playoff spot and only the Jets, Texans, and Jags have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. It's a very different story here in the NFL and the NFC, Lee. So just before we go, we've got the Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Bucks, and Cardinals in. Cardinals sort of in free fall, but they, you know, on account of their 10 wins are in. Um, and then you've got the Niners and Eagles at eight and seven. In the final in the final two spots, I think San Francisco is still in a good spot. But now you got Jimmy G that's injured. You wonder what he's going to be like. Philly has been very up and down, and there's a lot of Viking fans in and around here watching their team at seven and eight, knowing they've got a very tough test in Lambeau this weekend. Knowing that if the Vikings can pull off two wins in their final two games, they could probably get in. And I'll tell you what, that Minnesota team might be dangerous. Um, although it really does seem like there's five good teams and then everybody else in the NFC. Uh, Minnesota's wishing and hoping that's not going to happen. That's a flawed football team. In fact, I think Mike Zimmer is coaching to save his career right now. Uh, San Francisco, which 49er team shows up? Now they're going to have to play Trey Lance, the quarterback, out of North Dakota State, uh, only because Jimmy Garoppolo's got a fractured thumb and a torn ligament in that thumb. He's done, I believe. Uh, so th- they take them out of the out of the conversation. Uh, you know, and in terms of the rest of the NFC, the elite are the elite. And keep in mind, the way this thing is wrapping up, the whole world's going to have to go through Lambeau Field in Green Bay in January and, and do it against Aaron Rodgers and the cold weather of Wisconsin. So I, I think that right now Green Bay is the team. Tampa Bay's good. Tampa Bay has lost its running back, Leonard Fournette. That's a big setback there. They got problems in their secondary with Jamel Dean's gone down with COVID now. Uh, yeah, you can trust Antonio Brown. He's back on the field, had 10 catches for 101 last Sunday. but. When a going gets tough, can you really trust him to be, a, a you know, the, the guy's going to step up and save your season? I don't think so. So uh, the Rams, Matthew Stafford's thrown a ton of interceptions. And as great as Aaron Donald is defensively, the Rams are giving up pass plays down the field. And the Rams got running back problems again. They just lost Daryl Henderson for the year. So Staff- Stafford could be the difference maker for the Rams. But the, the top four are the top four in the NFC, but at the end of the day, the whole world's got to go through Lambeau Field and Green Bay, I think, Andrew. And that's that's a wild card that Aaron Rodgers will pull out of his pocket and say, see, that's why we're number one. Hey, are the, we get the whole field advantage. Lee, just on the way out, are the Cowboys, in your mind, the biggest threat to the Packers? Yeah, but again, everybody's got to go through Lambeau Field. And I think that's a big difference. If this sucker were to be played down in Dallas, I guess, yeah, the Cowboys could be a player. Cowboys are gifted offensively if they can keep everybody on the field. They've had a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID issues, too. Defense has improved. Getting to Marcus Lawrence back has, has made a big, big difference. So, hey, we got two weeks left. we got a lot of teams in the mix. going to be fun the next two weeks before we start talking about the postseason. If the NFL can get us to the postseason without this scary outbreak situation that could happen to somebody in the playoffs. And we could wake up on a Tuesday and a team could have 12 guys go on the COVID list and I don't know how you practice and get ready for a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, the league wants to cancel games, postpone games, or push the schedule back. 
No, no doubt about it. It is, uh, well, the NFL got it through last year. We hope they can continue doing it because that's pretty much all we've got right now in a few college football bowl games. Lee, uh, best of the season to you. Happy New Year, my friend. Thanks for everything this year and can't wait to do this again in 2022. As we get to the playoffs, let's do it again. And by the way, everybody that's chatting in the chat message board here says that that's a bad hoodie that you're wearing and my hoodie's pretty good. <laughs> Happy We're New Year, back. guys. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Be well. Hey, you're the best, Lee. Thanks so much. There he is. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Hacksaw1090. Check out the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Uh, a great final visit from Lee. Uh, we do have NFL stuff to talk about. Unfortunately, most of the other news around the sports world involves things being canceled like the World Junior Hockey Championships. A uh, big shout out to our friends, Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the Blue Bombers, and the official spirit of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we mentioned having some little brown jug available for you and not any people at your homes on New Year's Eve. I would second that for the great taste of Canadian Club. And, of course, Jim Beam. Bomber fans, head on to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts right now. If you purchase Jim Beam, there is a special limited edition collector's cup celebrating the Bombers 2021 Grey Cup Championship. Um, you might want to call your local liquor mart just to make sure they have it first because they're not at all of them there was only 20 stores that got them in the city um and of course we will also be doing one more marble race in 2021 we've got a couple winnipeg sports talk cc co-branded hoodies for you and shout out to mark morissette by the way who uh, won last week popped by earlier today before the show to pick his up um We'll get to cool bet lines, uh, I hope, in a minute. But let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Reem, I know while you were talking, uh, while I was talking with Hacksaw and some NFL, you have been monitoring both the chat and what's going on on social media in regards to the World Juniors. Uh, is it official yet, or is it just the word of the Bob Father? I mean, what the Bob McKenzie uh, tweet isn't enough. Is no, that that's, that's the that's the white smoke. That's the white smoke um, coming out of the Vatican. That's when you know something is official. I, when Bob puts it on Twitter, I don't think that they have um, officially had an announcement yet. The double IHF, but yeah, Bob McKenzie said it's going to get canceled. I mean, um, Chris Peters reported that as well, and so did Emily Kappel from ESPN. So everyone's saying that. We did have some other um, junior news that came out conveniently after the canceling the report of the World Juniors being canceled. That um, the OHL announced the reinstatement of Logan Knight's defenseman Logan Mayu effective January one. They had to get that in there like right under the nose of the thing. And if you don't remember Logan Mayu, he was the uh, what the first round draft pick of Montreal, who had said he did not want to be drafted because. What he had been charged for some sexual misconduct uh, in Europe before, and said that he wasn't uh, mature enough for the NHL. Yeah. But Montreal huge went, black mark, huge black mark Montreal for the Habs. Went, when went that and happened. picked it, picked him anyways. And uh, I don't know if that cost Mark Bergevin his job, but I think that was definitely a definitely a factor uh, among many factors, including oh, the oh, team's listen. horrible performance. Yeah, but but I mean, considering like when that happened, like the the amount of hubris that it took for the Habs and Bergevin to select him. Yes. And keep in mind, this is just in the aftermath of them stunning everyone and going all the way to the Cup final. So I think he had so much stroke there that I mean, I think hubris is the best way to describe it. He thought that, well, you know what, we'll uh, you know we'll just you know get some counseling or do what we have to do. This guy's the best player we could get right now, so we're mm -hmm. going to do it completely ignoring everything that happened on the ice. And it really blew up in their face. 
I mean, it, man, we're talking about, you know, 2021 and the end of 2021. The end of the first round of the National Hockey League draft was, I mean, such a disaster. I, I honestly, I, you know, I chuckled a little bit thinking about what Gary Bettman was thinking. I mean, you had the Habs picking at 31, taking Logan Mayu, and then right after that, Stan Bowman coming up as everything was, you know, heating up with the uh, reports and what had happened with this Kyle Beach, who at that point was still anonymous, uh, and the cover-up that had going on, um, basically rolling out flanked by seven women from the organization who were ostensibly human shields uh, and making their selection. I mean, it was a uh, that was a really really rough look for the National Hockey League and especially the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks. So. Um, well, interesting that that has been uh, that yeah, has been noted. What, what what timing there by the uh, the PR staff of the OHL? That's just like slipping it in there. Not quite like four or five o'clock on a Friday, but um, yeah, in the I, territory. I mean, listen, you know that'll be. I mean, at some point, I mean, the guy's not banned for life, and I right. mean, this was something that happened over there. I mean, they did step up and say, hey, you know what, this guy's not going to play here for the foreseeable hey. future, and he missed half the season. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is as to when he's able to play, but you're exactly right. I mean, PR 101. This is the old Friday 4:30 yeah. news dump, if you will. Um, but it's just a little different. The only junior hockey story that everyone's talking about is the cancellation of this event. Let's just quickly send out that yeah. press release. And in half an hour, it'll be official. The tournament will be canceled and no one will be talking about this. Yeah, I have no, I don't know enough about what he's done, you know, to prove that he's, you know, eligible to be reinstated or what. But it's just interesting, the timing of that, that release. But yeah, World Juniors, I saw... I, I posted that in there. I think there were some people who didn't know that the World Juniors was canceled. Incredibly disappointing um, you know, for everyone involved. All the athletes, I mean, the broadcasters, the, all the volunteers, everyone who's putting this thing together. Um, really uh, unfortunate. And unfortunately, we won't have uh, hockey here to watch as well. But, um, you know, we enjoyed what we, what we had. I mean, the lasting memory will be Canada put a whooping on Austria, Connor de Bedard. And someone was asking us, the real important thing is if you bet on the World Juniors, if you did bet on Cole Perfetti to lead the tournament in goals or points, I would think all those bets are avoided and refunded. Everything, everything is avoided. Um, you know, there were some people asking, hey, if I, uh, if I bet Switzerland to beat the States yesterday in regulation, do I still get oh, to yeah. cash my ticket? Do you the, get a, did you? No, you don't. No, it was no, a, it was a very forfeit. clearly. It's official one nothing. Uh, yeah, if games are not played or forfeited, um, it's a push and everyone gets their money back. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. if you had that Perfetti plus 250, um, that's not happening. You'll get the money back. I mean, I, I, I think Dustin Nielsen and I get a bit of a, a mulligan, if you will, um, because we were all horny for Sebastian Cosa to potentially be the MVP of the tournament. He didn't even get a chance to play a game. I still don't understand why he wasn't dressed for the first game and, you know, didn't get the start in game number two. Um, but anyways, that's uh, that'll come back and we'll probably blow it on some bowl game that we have no idea what's going on in, but just want a little action and something to watch right now with uh, everything seemingly being canceled. And speaking of New Year's Eve, everyone in chat, if you're with us right now, there's no Canada, Finland, there's no Jets, Flames. You're not going out to any sort of a, uh, a party or gathering with a number of people. You're certainly not going to be in a bar past 10 p.m. 
what the hell are you doing on New Year's Eve? I got a funny text during the program from, from one of my buddies. It just said F and then waited and said, well, the Miley Cyrus, the Miley Cyrus New Year's special is going to be huge. Is, is that what it's come to, Remus? We're, we got to get ready for the Miley Cyrus New Year's special. Hey, I like uh, Miley Cyrus. Didn't you see her cover of Nothing Else Matters uh, with Metallica and Howard Stern? That was absolute fire. So I'm here for the Miley Cyrus Christmas special. She does some great uh, covers. She's very talented. So I'm, I'll hear, I'm here to uh, stand for Miley Cyrus. But as far as my New Year's plans, I mean, I have no, no idea. Like, what I don't know. Same thing I do on a regular night, I guess. Like, sit here and play... Uh, play playstation like what am i watch a movie i don't know there's well, no hockey gonna, on yeah we're gonna need to both figure out something to entertain ourselves with this might be time for the pga tour screen coming we up might this have weekend to, to be we might have to you. yeah i'm I ready we, i'm ready we've been the links we've been talking about it. yeah schmidt face says new year's eve new year's eve special maybe we could get something together i have no i have no powered idea. by powered by a uh, little brown jug get Kate, into a fun yeah. late night boozy go online golf stream ah, i could be in for that um uh, speaking of new year's eve though i i'm joking about the new miley cyrus i won't be watching that what i will be watching is watch the that. two huge college football playoff games this actually will be good even if you haven't paid attention all year long these will be two really really good football games uh 230 is cincinnati bearcats taken on the alabama crimson tide Cincinnati is the four seed of the top four and they are 13 and a half point underdogs to Bama. And then the game that I think most people really interested in Georgia, who had been number one all year before losing to Bama, they're seven and a half point favorites against Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines who finally beat Ohio state this year, who finally got to the college football playoff. And I think will maybe be a sentimental choice um, from a lot of people that maybe just don't want to see the sec win again. Um, there are a couple games today. Maryland and Virginia are going, going at it right now. A little later on this afternoon, Iowa State taking on Clemson, who normally is in that uh, is in, it, normally in that college football playoff. And then tonight, 8 p.m., it's the Oklahoma Ducks and the or, sorry Oregon Ducks and the Oklahoma Sooners. Sooners seven point favorites. Uh, three what four more games tomorrow uh, as well. You can get all the odds at CoolBet.com as well as NFL odds are up right now. And we will have an episode of the lock shop tomorrow. Normally we do Tuesday, but there wasn't really anything to get to. And I'm sure glad we didn't spend a whole episode talking about world junior uh, handicapping because of course that ship has sailed. And unfortunately the tournament is canceled, but lines are up for the weekend in the national football league. We'll hit that all on tomorrow's lock shop, which I do believe will probably drop at about noon right before we go on live at Winnipeg or for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, good news is going forward, Remo, we will have uh, a lot of time to talk about well, the year in sports, the year in Winnipeg sports with some great stories, including the Bombers winning the Grey Cup. And I am very excited to let our listeners know that tomorrow we'll, uh, we'll reminisce a little bit about that Grey Cup going back to back with Bomber star running back Andrew Harris tomorrow on the program. So, uh, 
fun times to finish it up talking about some of the good things that have happened as opposed to everything that's happening right now. Uh, can't wait to have Andrew Harris on the program, and that'll be, for those of you watching live, our first guest tomorrow around 1.20. Um, and we will look to have Jeff Hamilton, and hopefully, if he's feeling up to it, our pal Kenny Weeb, who's battling the virus himself, but I talked to him on text yesterday, is feeling better. Hope to have him on Friday as well as we head into the new year. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, we will have uh, some barbels. Maybe we could do trivia. It seemed to be a hit last week. Maybe we could do one. Uh, we'll yeah, see, 2021. But... 2021 trivia. I think that's a great idea. I'll we'll both to... get some questions ready. And uh, I do actually still have a couple of those sweet. Uh, we do have another one of those too. So we can use one of those for uh, for a prize when we uh, when we do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's awesome here. Andrew Harris coming on tomorrow. Talk about the Great Cup. Give us some positive news here not about games being canceled so i'm excited to hear from his perspective i mean uh we're only a couple of weeks removed what an incredible comeback it was for the bombers and um, kenny's water bottle yes kenny's water bottle on new year's eve i'd watch a live stream of us watching sports that's just about where we're at i mean well we're we've been talking about, i've been saying we need to do a stream of us just playing pga tour and just talking sports like let's <laughs> do that <laughs> People want, well, as to, I people said, want to bet we, on it. People we can take might, lines. That, that might, well, we could have a line. I think this might be the only, only video game we could possibly play that I would be a favorite against Remus. Just about mm. everything else, I think I'd be an underdog. Although I think I could take you in Madden. I, I haven't I, played, I, yeah, I haven't played Madden in a long, in a long time. So I it's probably, it's definitely possible. Could be it. Although if we played NHL, it would the line would probably be something oh. resembling Canada Austria yesterday from the World Junior Hockey Championships. Yeah. Well, By the way, it, yeah. it, it, folks, if you want a good laugh, head over to Twitch and check out. There's a page that we put together that's been switched over to Winnipeg Sports Talk, and there's two videos on it uh, of Remus and I playing current rosters on NHL 94 back at the old station. I can't remember what we were doing, but we somehow filmed it, taped it. Uh, I got a great goal by Eric Halla. That was my highlight. And then there's Remus scoring twice on me in like 30 seconds as well. So uh, those clips are up there if you'd like to enjoy that. Just the beginning of uh, the content I think we're going to have to generate right now because mm -hmm. it does seem like it's going to be a few dark days for hockey fans in particular here in Winnipeg and north of the border. And uh, let's just look forward to, I guess, the new year in January 2nd when the Jets are going to be playing a game. That, of course, in Vegas. Uh, and two more games next week on the road that we will be talking all about Arizona and the Colorado Avalanche before a dark weekend with games scheduled for here. But again, we'll be getting into week 17 or week 18 of the NFL season. And then we do have an extra week of NFL because the extra week in the season is going to push the Super Bowl back a year. So um, anyways, we'll just uh, we'll just get by. But yeah, we will probably have to drop a stream sometime soon on the YouTube channel, which is a great reason to make sure you're subscribed and hit that notification. Because, you know, we'll probably do a tweet, hey, we're going to do this. But if you don't turn your notifications on, you won't know when uh, when that's happening. So uh, for everyone there, just make you make sure you've got that done. And by the way, if you can, give us a thumbs up if you haven't already for today's show. Yeah, we need those those thumbs up. They definitely help uh, YouTube recommend our content to people who might be interested in it. But yeah, I mean, the brainstorming, I see a lot of people uh, trying to get like a marble tournament style bracket tournament or simulating the world juniors on we'll just simulate Ooh. it i'll just pull it up on ea sports guys we're gonna simulate it you and i will do play-by-play -play. i've always wanted the chance to do it it'll have That's the names actually up. a great idea 
Listen, leave us with this overnight. We'll have a show tomorrow. Yeah. We'll we'll figure out some, much like the, uh, well, I don't know if the IIHF had any contingency plans. They just had to cancel it. We won't have to cancel anything. We might actually start some new stuff with everything else that's going on, but we've got some ideas. Shout out to everyone in the chat, even Ryan Friesen. Your takes are even worse than they normally are today, and I do hope that you've got that 40 bucks set aside for the AFC Championship weekend when a certain team will be playing and you will be getting an invoice from yours truly. Uh, and of course, to all of our sponsors that are joining us today and every day, the uh, the people behind this show and why we're able to do it every day. F Apparel, don't forget that great Boxing Day sale still going on up until Friday. Royal Sports as well over at 750 Pemina Highway. Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada for the few things that are actually going on and you can still bet on. Lock shop tomorrow around noon. Winnipeg Sports Talk at 1. We'll look forward to seeing you then, everybody. Stay home, stay warm, stay safe, and thanks for joining us on WST. Yeah, before we go, just a quick shout-out to John Burns for the uh, Super Chat. Missed, missed that one. Uh, so thank, John. You, thank you, John. John, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And thanks to everyone. We've had a few yeah. really nice Super Chats going into Christmas. That was unbelievable. But uh, John, thanks so much. And I know Free Oleg got in there on that. So we'll give another shout out to Free Oleg. Uh, the most notorious commenter started on WST, uh, but now often in the chat room and getting a lot of shouts out from our guy, Rod Peterson. I don't think he has any idea who Oleg is or what's behind that, but I laugh every single time I see Free Oleg on the RP show. Folks, have a great night. Uh, Get those cars plugged in. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.